Hello and welcome to Potter Who Cast, where we talk about every episode of Doctor Who, Torture with K9, Sarah Jane Adventures, Class, all the rest in broadcast order. I'm David, and with me this week, as always, is I'm Michelle, and oh, home mother. Um, <laughs> we're both in jazzy moods, you know, because we are, you know, when you were like, yeah. you, you watch a director's filmography and you're like, man, this one movie I thought everybody would ignore is such a bop. The Unquiet Dead is that movie for season one of Doctor Who. Woo! It, it is quite honestly, one of the best in, in general, I would say. Honestly, that's it's what like, that's what we're talking today. Yeah, let me just tell you. So basically, this is the episode I always skipped whenever, like, I don't really remember watching it the first time, and I kind of like skipped. Tell told people to skip this episode every once in a while because I didn't remember anything about it. But now that I finally sat down and watched it, oh, I'm a fool. I am such a fool. Because <laughs> this episode, we're, we're, I mean, we're having, we're gonna have a wrap up at the end of season one. Uh. But this series one, apologies, season, series, uh, we're going to have a wrap up, but I'm pretty sure this is going to be either my top five or my top three. I still don't know. We'll see. <laughs> um, anyway, series one, episode three, Unquiet Dead. That's what we're here for. Um, so before we talk about how great this one episode is, a few little facts here and there, you know, uh, 9th of April, 2005 is when this was first beamed into the world. My first episode of Doctor Who, well, I watched the last 10 minutes and was hooked. Um, written by Mark Gatiss, who, um, of course, is, I believe you say in a later episode, he's bound by blood oath to work for Doctor Who in some way because he's got yeah. novels, he's got big finish, he's got... These kind of things where he writes the episode, he's in episodes, he's... Um, I, think, I think the joke everything. I said, or will say, is that Mark Gatiss accidentally hit Doctor Who with his car, told him he would pay it back in acting or something. <laughs> yeah, and he did. And we're richer for it, because without him there wouldn't be this. He's also, of course, legal gentleman. Uh, he's on. He's on and he wrote Sherlock. And I think he, he, he definitely wrote... Dracula. I think he might be in an episode of Dracula, but I can't really remember. Um, weird show, Dracula. We should do Dracula. We should just have a special three-week period where we cover Dracula, because that show is just... Whew, Dracula? Stinker. Yeah. Is it? Is it good? It's good in the sense that when I watched it, I was like, oh, this is good. And then episode two happened. I was like, oh, that's good. And then the last like, 10 minutes of episode two, where I was like, this isn't good. And then episode three, I was like, this is just bad. This is just really bad. The The whole thing is like, the first two episodes are like in the 1800s, but like normal Dracula stuff. And at the end of episode two, he walks out of like the sea and he's in uh, modern day England. And then it's you lost me. How, you lost me right yeah, there. He uses, Those words uh, just lost me immediately. <laughs> He uses Tinder to find new victims. and Wow, you lost yeah. me so hard. <laughs> like, literally, if there was a graph calculating my interest, the instant you say it, he uses Tinder. 
Just hit the fucking <laughs> ground running. Um, directed by Euroslin, who we've talked about before. Um, so usually we do five key points. They were doing four because I was able to get it down to four, more or less. Um, so point one, Doctor and Rose go to Cardiff. The same night Charles Dickens is there, giving a, a dramatic reading of uh, A Christmas Carol. The original podcast, you might say, because everyone's there listening. He's just giving his old spiel. Um, the reading's interrupted by an old woman who's haunted. She's like a zombie. Um, and then she's kidnapped Aunt Rose by Sneed, the Undertaker, and his maid Gwyneth. And so the point two, Doctor and Rose go to Sneed's place. They rescue Rose. Rose learns that Gwyneth is psychic, so they hold a seance, talk to what they think are ghosts, especially the Gelf, who are a gaseous form who lost their bodies in the Time War. So point three, because they're looking for new forms, the Doctor says he'll help them, which Rose disagrees with, but the Doctor says, you know, it's my way, the highway. So they bring them to the morgue. The uh, Gwyneth opens the rift. All the Gelf come in, but they're actually evil, and they take over the bodies, and they try to take over the world. Um, so point four, Dickens escapes. He realises that they're f- they're pulled in by gas. So while the Doctor and Rose almost die, Dickens turns all the gas on. They get pulled out. Everything explodes. Because um, of Gwyneth put, uh, liking the match, sacrificing herself for them. And then Doctor and Rose leave and leave Dickens behind and they go off. And that's that. What a script. What a picture. What Al Pacino voice, what a picture. <laughs> it's probably like the, one of the funniest episodes I've ever done, I would say. Also one of the like tightest, best acted. Just like, bam, 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 bam. No, no, fi- I'll kill her, no filler. Oh, God, this is so good. Like, okay. I think like the reason why I kind of wiped this away from my brain is because historical Doctor Who stories tend to fall within two categories. Boring as shit or fake historical, you know? It's like... <laughs> it's like you got stuff like... I don't remember... I don't remember Tooth and Claw, apart from me thinking it was boring. So I really want to see what the deal is with that. Uh, and I think I remember, like, the Shakespeare Code, whatever it's called, the season three one, where it's like fake historical because it's Shakespeare but it's also ooh alien witches <laughs> and because of that um that uh JK Rowling reference oh, well, <laughs> which <yeah>. wow <laughs> although i feel like i feel like the only historical i can think of that i'm like wow that is a fantastic episode is the unicorn and the wasp which is like oh ooh, one of my favorite episodes although i should say this is going to by me in the ass, four years from now when we do Series 4, I skipped Fires of Pompeii. I've, I've never watched Fires of Pompeii, which is funny because when people were like, oh my god, Peter Capote is a doctor from Fires of Pompeii, I was like, yeah, right, right, Fires of Pompeii, that, that episode. <laughs> I watched that one. It's not very good. I will put the baton down now. It's probably one of the worst in that, in that series. Is this, is the tradition of starting every series with like, Second episode is a future, third episode is a past. Is this a new series thing, or is that in the old series? It's a new series thing, but also in series... Well, it depends. If you count 
if you count Christmas Invasion as episode one of series two, which it isn't, then it's like second episode of future, third episode past. But if you count series, if you count New Earth as episode one, that's first episode future, second episode past, third episode present. So it's kind of all, it's kind of like a lucky dip of what like order will we do these in? We we go future first or past then or whatever. It's I mean, the just, only season, yeah, the only season they didn't do that. Actually, they did. Now that I'm thinking about it, series nine, where I still think whoever. Whoever walked in, guys, hey, guys, I have a great idea. What if we make a series all about two-parters? Uh, whoever came up with that idea needs to get taken behind the shed and shot. <laughs> Cut that out. Cut that out. Well, that is a bad idea. It, it sounds like you're talking about Goofy there, so I think Goofy probably has a lot of crimes to answer for. Yeah, yeah. Well, I but then when you think about it, you know, the second two-parter is in the future, and then the third two-parter is when a shielder, a shielder, Whatever gets introduced, but then they keep they return to that format. You know, Thin Ice is yeah. a good historical. Um, Rosa is not a good historical. Uh, Ooh, we'll we'll get to that. Um, yeah. The Witch Finders. Is... Nikola Tesla is good. Yeah, yeah Nikola Tesla, Tesla is good. Yeah. Um, Witch Finders. I don't know. Haunting of Via Diodati is pretty good. The Cybermen. Uh, Haunting of Via. So this is a spoiler for twenty thirty when we do series twelve. <laughs> Haunting of Villa Duodati is like I actually read Frankenstein recently, and then I rewatched Haunting of Villa Duodati. That episode is great, all the way up until like the last ten minutes, and yeah, then it the, just yeah. like a plane going down into crashing into the fam, <laughs> an alien plane crashing into the fams. That episode just goes. Or anyway. Um, I'm quiet that, right. Um, maybe this is the episode that's going to get me to reevaluate the historicals because I feel like, you know, this episode is really, really good. I, I don't know how to put this other than to say, you know, it's a really well-written episode. Like, the plot is really good. It's, it's perfect. It's just, it's just beat, 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 beat. Uh, Simon Callow as Charles Dickens makes me want there to be a series where the doctor takes a historical figure as a companion. Because I was kind of just like, can he just get into the TARDIS? Can we have like a couple more episodes of Charles Dickens? <laughs> like, he was so good. Oh, he's great. He's in, um, he's got one more appearance, which we'll get to in... Wedding and Rare Song. Yeah, in what? Three years? Four years? Um, but he, I think he's great. I think Eve Miles as Gwyneth is great too, especially in that scene where she and Rose are talking and she starts seeing the future and starts seeing like even beyond Rose's time, I think is a great scene mm-hmm. as well. I, I recognize her from somewhere. She's in Torchwood. Oh, I've never seen Torchwood, but I knew I was like, mm. <laughs> she, mm. yeah, she's, in, she's in Torchwood, um, which we'll never talk about. So that's so does, no that, does this make Simon Callow the only, uh, Doctor Who actor who appeared in different showrunners. Is it? Is he apart from um, maybe John Barrowman? Because John Barrowman appeared in RTD's time and Chris Chibnall. Yeah, and um, there's some. There's definitely someone else. I can't think of who it is. Maybe okay. Actually, you know, I just realized because Billy Piper is in. Well, she's not David Doctor. Though. Oh right. Well, then maybe David Tennant's the only one. Yeah, there's definitely someone else. Like it's gonna, 
in Norway right now because I can't think who it is. But there's definitely someone else who was in Nicholas Nick- Nick- Briggs. Oh yeah, well Briggs is in everything. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, it's me. <laughs> Which episode? Uh, you know what? Hello is our bad wolf. I'm just gonna put it out there. So. <laughs> You'll find out what it you'll find out what it means in a couple episodes, listeners. Oh, uh, you will uh, if you even make it that far. You will find out what it means, and you yeah. will <laughs> you will appreciate our sound. Right. The thing I really liked about this episode, which I adored, is that you know it takes the idea of Chris. When you tell me like Charles Dickens' Christmas Ghost, in my head I was immediately like, they're just gonna do Christmas Carol, like the Doctor's that goes to Christmas Future, and they do do Christmas Carol, but they don't do Christmas Carol, you know. It's not yeah. Charles Dickens being visited by three ghosts, but it is Charles Dickens being given a new Liz on life by ghostly figures. I think, that, yeah, I think what it does with, like, how it plays with, like, Dickens stuff, even down to, like, instead of saying what the Dickens, he says what the Shakespeare. Oh, that's great, right, yeah. <laughs> I think the way it plays with, like, how Dickens... Like how many references to bring to Dickens is great. I think the trade again in Shakespeare Code, and it kind of just feels very forced. But I think here it's like very defined and very. It lifts the episode. I think the way they weave that in. Um, I'm. I've got one issue with this one. Um, yes. And you'll probably disagree. I don't think the Gelth are that interesting. I think when they go full. Gelth, it kind of just feels like they're kind of just feels like they're doing whatever. I think as soon as they hit the morgue, it kind of just slams on the accelerator. It's like, okay, we've got through this, 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 and then we're done. Whereas I think if they kind of not so much cut stuff off, but like kind of made it a bit more kind of spread out in terms of like, this is the Gelth, this is what their thing is, we'll try to help them this way or to help them that way. Because I, like, I understand that like the reason the doctor like immediately is like, I'll help you instead of being kind of skeptical is because he's like, you lost your world in the time war. I know that feels, I'm going to try and, you know, one last go at helping rectify what I've done wrong. Mm-hmm. But I feel like it's very kind of sudden and it's a very kind of uninteresting villain. And it doesn't help as well that like the girls don't look visually that intriguing. Right. I guess. Uh, I agree with you. I thought it was hilarious when the doctor was like, you said it was only a few. And they're like, a few billions. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah. I think it's hilarious. that That's funny. I don't think, I, I don't have as much of a problem with it because I don't think it matters, you know, in the sense of like the Gelfer just background, um, background, you know, dressing to the actual plot of, of the show, of the episode, which is, it's not only Charles Dickens uh, coming to grips with the fact that the world is bigger than he thought it was, but it's also Gwyneth, you know, yeah, taking on a, pos- uh, no, overcoming her quote unquote, his, uh, her upbringing to take on a position, a higher position. And it, it is also about the doctor and Rose, Rose kind of learning the mechanics of time travel and also just how much effect someone can have in the past. And the doctor really coming into the end of this free episode arc of being grateful for Rose being in the TARDIS. You know, I always, I always imagine that every new companion has a free episode test. You know, 
Like if by the end of the companion third episode, there's a moment where the doctor could have been like, "This was fun. Get the fuck out of my TARDIS. Like I don't, I don't want to hang around with you anymore." And the moment at the end of this episode where Rose was like, where the doctor was like, "I'm glad I met you." Kind of like Rose passing the three episode test, you know. Yeah. Actually, I'm gonna. You can stay around because you're a really cool person. This episode did more to sell me on the Rose and Doctor uh, relationship than pretty much any other episode. I honestly think the reason I didn't like Rose and Doctor that much is because I didn't watch this episode. Like watching this one, when Rose is like, I- "I'm gonna die before I'm even born," and then the Doctor's like, "I've seen the fall of Troy, and I'm gonna die in a dungeon in Cardiff." <laughs> <laughs> his delivery there is is just incredible like he is this is the funniest a doctor has ever been i think in a single episode i would stake my claim on that i think he's just so locked into the comedy of the script he's so locked into everything that makes it so funny and so thing. i think he generally seems like he's loving the episode as well yeah so it's just like it's just it's one of his best performances we talk a lot about uh, uh, Christopher Elkinson as a doctor who perfectly embodied the feeling of just surviving the time war of the last survivor, you know, survivor's yeah. guilt and personified into a doctor. But Christopher Eccleston, when he wanted to be funny, he could be funnier than like Tennant or Smith. Or it, he, he and Capaldi have this thing where they underplay the comedy moments so much that it actually becomes funnier than it is on page. That moment where he's talking about like, what, what American, that American part on uh, the, one of your books, what was that? That was rubbish. <laughs> and then, and then Charles Dickens goes, you said you were my number one fan. He's like, well, you get good criticism. It's so funny. It's like, he gets it. Oh, he gets it. Oh God. I, I'm so happy we're having more. We're getting more Eccleston this year. I literally like I finished this episode and I opened up the big finish page for the upcoming audios and I was like, where is this coming out? I, I need to listen to this. <laughs> uh, written by Nicholas Briggs, so you know it's gonna be Hello. Like, hello. I really um, hope his first words are hello. <laughs> <laughs> Did you know that um Sneed Sneed in an earlier draft was a psychic. I think he might have been like a fake psychic, but their choice for, for him was David Tennant. Ooh. And wow. Yeah. That's that's like a sliding doors if David Tennant gets to play Sneed, then I mean he gets a great episode to be in, but like, you know, it's Bullet Dodge. <laughs> well Dodge yeah. so hard. And I was just saying, if you ever start if you ever start a Patreon, we should do Big Finish. Because we, every time I look at it, I'm like Wow, this looks insane. <laughs> I need it. There's um a lot of wild ones. There's a lot of like the uh Tenant and Donna ones are pretty fun. I listened to a bit of um this is gonna date it, but I listened to a bit of Masterful, you know? Yeah. The new one that they had celebrating the uh uh the, the fifty years of the mas- the master. And I had no idea what was going on. It was like, I'm the master. I'm the master. I'm like, okay, okay, okay. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Sure. All right. And then a third Doctor companion shows up, I think Joe Grant. And I was like, uh-huh, uh-huh. The only one I know I could tell was missing. Which, again, Chris Chibno, if you're listening, please leave a note for the person who replaces you to bring back Missy. <laughs> Not because... Roberts. Oh shit! Absolutely, I always dress for the occasion. 
I am so excited for the the novelization of the TV movie. Do you know that they're doing one? I think I read it. There's so many novelizations coming out. Um, I think Dalek's out next month as well. Yeah, and Witchfinders. Yeah, Witchfinders and Crimson Horror. I think the other one is coming out. Mm-hmm. A lot of novels. A lot, of, a lot of things to read. Honestly, novelize all nov- all, all the episodes. They all really the- should. At this point, they, they might as well. Yeah, why not? You know, what do you, what do you got to lose? You could actually end up making an episode better. Yeah, I mean, like some you could uh, write Adam out of the long game. You could um, you could have a another doctor played by someone who looks like Nicholas Briggs, who you know comes into episodes with the doctor and hangs out with him. You could have something like like in this. You could uh, you could like expand on so much. I think with mm-hmm. novelizations, and like you could also just. For something like, which we'll get to and which we'll have discussed, but for something like Aliens in London, World War Three, and Boomtown, you could bring them together and have like half the novel be, or even half, like three quarters be like Aliens in London, World War Three, and then have like an epilogue be like Boomtown. Yeah. She should appear, yeah. did all stuff. Um, um, getting yeah. ahead of myself, and I still have more things to say about Unquiet That, but li- watching the finale of. Uh... Watching the finale, not the finale, the next time on Doctor Who trailer for Aliens in London, maybe go like, is that is this gonna be good? So uh, uh, I hope I, not, I, I hope I do not come to regret what I have just said. You never know. You never know. Yeah. Um, any episode that has Tony Blair get killed by a uh, fucking alien probably probably has something to it. Right, we'll see. We'll see. Next week, folks, come back next week for Aliens in London. But back into Unquiet Dead. So whenever I, whenever there's an episode I like, I always run into the danger of being like, I like this, I like that, I like this, I like that. But I wanted to highlight a moment that I that particularly hit me, especially now that I'm a writer and I'm putting stuff out there, which is the moment where Dickens asked, like, Doctor, I need to know, do my books, do they last? And the Doctor is like, yeah. And Dickens is like, how long? And the Doctor goes, forever. And I feel like that's something... I'm pretty sure if any writer heard that at some point, everyone's gone for that moment, you know, where you're like, am I doing anything worth a damn? And and that scene where Charles Dickens is like, you're telling me ghosts are real, and I spent my whole life, like, trying to help orphans and stuff. Like, am I even doing something worth a damn? That scene just hit me so much as a writer. I was like, fuck, right. If And I'm, I thought about... Oh, give me a second. Hold on. Whew. Okay, I'm I'm waiting for a wine delivery, yeah. <laughs> and uh, but they missed me already, and so they missed me last time. So I'm waiting so that way I don't have to go to some butt fucking place <laughs> to get the it's wine. Francis for Coppola's uh, vineyard, dude. I saw you see the Patrick H. Wills video for TCM Wine Club. Not yeah, I've I've been nursing a relationship with the TCM Wine Club website of like wondering if I should do it or not. Because that line looks good. <laughs> anyway, so that scene where you see Charles Dickens and he's contemplated the fact that everything he's done is worth nothing. You know, nothing that he's done so far actually matters in the large context of things. And then to have this one guy in a jumper be like, actually, you know, these books you think that are that meant, mean absolutely nothing to you. These books will last forever. I'm pretty sure everyone who's ever doing any kind of art deserves to hear that at some point because you, you get so stuck in the little things 
you get so stuck in the rewrites and the new drafts and all that. And you're like, do people like my voice? Do people like all this? And you just forget that like someone out there is going to like it. And maybe your stuff will live on forever. Much like this show, we will, we will never die. We will, um, inter- like they'll find a time capsule when the earth dies and the thing, and it will be Potter who cast episodes one, two, four. I honestly hope, I honestly hope, you know, I'm of the opinion that things should be allowed to end, especially in our reboot-heavy, IP-heavy current uh, climate. That being said, I f- honestly think Doctor Who should not end. Um, not not on a sense of, like, I don't want this thing I like to end. And like I said before, I don't think I said this in the podcast, but Series 13 could literally be, be like, six episodes of Jodie Whittaker pointing at the camera and going, you, Michelle, I hate you. I absolutely hate you. <laughs> And I would be like, oh, that's awesome. Uh, when's the next year's coming out? But <laughs> but I generally think like this show is, you know, is a wonderful little experiment of like, look, I, I, I've seen I've been watching this show for um, for 10 years now and I'm still finding new things about it that I love. And it's like what other show out there provides that, you know? Uh, so even if Doctor Who stops for a while, I honestly hope that it keeps ongoing when we're all robots and there's no such thing as we're all yeah. flesh machines for the Gelf. yeah and content has become king pity the Gelf. open rift dying pity the Gelf. always folks listening always be suspect of someone who says pity the x yeah we should cancel the Gelf. just the look they're cancelled they're cancelled i'm sorry they're they're they had their chance Hashtag guilt is over party. Okay, they're done. They're get out of here. You know, right? If I saw one, I would throw it out. I just say no more. <laughs> oh, oh, here, here's a fun fact I found out. Mark Gatiss said that the original script was bleaker and more frightening, and then Russell T Davies was like, "Make it more of a romp." Just <laughs> <laughs> such a good note, especially because we got this, and I, I think that. We should always be grateful for. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't really have anything else to say beyond it's great and we should all be grateful it, is, it exists. Yeah. yeah. It slaps, it fucks. It sucks in the good mm-hmm. sense. It's a, it's a gas, as they say. Which is why the Gelf gets sucked out because it's so, it's so good that they, they can't help but be involved. Mm-hmm. Um, um, to borrow a tagline from a Disney theme park ride, it's fast, it's a blast, it's in the past. I just stopped. Um, actually, did. Do you want to play the game or do you want to chat about anything else? Because it's a it's a mm-hmm. killer game this week. So this is the TARDIS wiki game. You know, go on to the TARDIS wiki, find your real life person, place thing, quiz people on it. Um, this week. Uh, hold on to your hats, all I can say. Um, so this is a word that's been said in at least one of the shows we're going to cover. And it's been said so much by one character in the show that they have an entire section on the wiki page for this word of all the times they said it. Um, a Time Lord has used this word in an alternative universe. Uh... And in the comic Assimilation Squared, 
Jean-Luc Picard and Worf use the French and Klingon versions of this word. So, what word am I talking about? Alan Z? It's not Alan Z. It's, um, I have one more clue, actually. Cousin Eliza said the lions in Trafalgar Square gave her a plural version of this word. The heebie-jeebies? No, think bluer. The, the creeps? No, think much bluer. And, uh... It's a word that only one show in kind of Doctor Who circle could use because of the connotations of the word. The shits? It is shit. It is a word shit. Really? <laughs> it's a word shit. Oh my god. Um, so Picard and Worf have both said it in the Doctor Who universe, which is a... It's a gr- it's great when you go onto the, the word shit on TARDIS Wiki and Torchwood as its, as its own section of every time someone's used the word in... I think it's Miracle Day. Uh, Mackay Pfeiffer's character has an entire section where it's like every time Rex used the word shit in tor- <laughs> Tortured Series 4. Um, wow. Yeah. They are insane. Um, do you want to talk about your wonderful, I suppose, the father to, or the stepbrother to um, this show? Oh, yes. If you like me gushing about this, um, Please check out Full Metal Analyst. It's a podcast where I do that, but all about Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. It's a good way for you to get into that show. It's a really good show. Has a lot to do, a lot of similarities with um, Doctor Who, if you think about it. Not really, but <laughs> honestly, I if anyone wants to write a Full Metal Alchemist Doctor Who crossover, you have my blessing. Now that you need it <laughs> in the first place. Well, you, you own the rights to both properties, so they have, they have to get you. Absolutely. Yeah. Don't look it up. It's yeah. true. Um, thank you for listening. You can find us on Twitter at... Well, well they can find you at Twitter at Michelle O'Shawn. We should have said that. Yeah. Yes, yes. Um, you can find us at Potter Hugast. You can find us officially now. This is dating us. You can find us on uh, iTunes and Spotify and probably Google. I don't know. Google are still being a bit weird. Um, wherever you get your podcast ready and... Leave a review and tell your friends and tell us what you think. Um, yeah. Whew, unless you're a girl, in which case, stop listening right now and get a life. We don't like the girl. Yeah. We don't pity the girl. The girl pity us. Um, next time, Big Ben, Aliens, and Harriet Jones, MP for Flydale North. Oh, woo. Mm. Aliens of London. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank you again for listening, and always remember, I love a happy medium. <laughs>